Hey, uh, stick around for a second. I'm going to stop the recording. But Oh, goodbye, people. You don't get to hear the next bit. So, Jamie Orr saw your video this morning. Uh, for those who don't know, Jamie Orr is uh, the illustrious. What are you a YouTuber now? Is that what you are? Um, uh, no, I'm I'm not a good YouTuber. I I post some things on YouTube. Um, Bad I, YouTuber. I, I, Evil. Um, inconsistent YouTuber. So um, yes, but otherwise, what do I do? I I just have fun with with Volkswagens and Audis, um, wherever that takes me in whatever capacity. So longtime enthusiast, I know you from the old Vortex days. You were on the moderator team, but uh, sort of since then, Orchid Euro, during then, Orchid Euro, where you were importing parts from uh, picking European parts in Europe and importing a lot of cars, which is kind of where this is starting. But um, before we, why don't we jump into this first? And at this time, maybe we'll chat about you a little bit uh, after that for people who are more curious about you. Does that make sense? I'm less interested in me and more of this story. <laughs> from my perspective, but yeah so yeah so yeah i've imported lots and lots of cars i imported your very nice audi v8 coupe which is not how do we describe that it wasn't meant to have a v8 in it <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's very cool i don't know about very very nice she's a frankenstein and she needs a lot of work but she's she's uh very lovable and green and uh quattron v8 so yeah, so I've got a lot of experience with yeah, cool cars and some of my best friends and great clients have asked me to assist. So I've done pre-production cars, the only examples in the world. I've done dozens of Audi RS2, S2s and special models like the Golf Rally. And so from that, I've kind of developed this ongoing nerd passion for them. And, so and that brings us to this story. <laughs> Yeah, so that probably, while, while a lot of what you do is often probably more known for Volkswagen Audi, definitely a big part of what you do, and RS2 specifically, I know I've seen um, uh, the Diogo's, the, the RS2s at Waterfest that you had, or you had a black in there. Uh, I've done that, multiple. I mean, a, a bunch of different colors. I mean, some clients like to remain private, um, so I don't post photos. Um, others, yeah, I, I did a YouTube video on a nice blue one with incorrect uh, air ducts, aftermarket uh, air intakes in the front bumper and the wrong Porsche wheels because the owners, the seller and the buyer were so meticulous. They didn't want to ship it on the original wheels. They shipped those separately. And just, I will uh, assist and nerd out as much as the clients want. Um, I'm not here to advertise that. So this is, this is not the point. <laughs> why don't we why don't we give a baseline of what RS2 was, right? 1993 or thereabouts, uh, a little bit before when they developed it. But Audi, Audi and Porsche are both on the skids, honestly. From a they both almost pulled out of the United States. Well, Audi almost pulled out of the United States. Porsche was lagging behind all the Japanese cars at the time uh, with the, the 911. Now much loved, but back then kind of underpowered compared to what was out there. And the two of them go in on a collaboration, which is kind of rare in the automotive business, and it's the RS2, which is an 80 Avant with the Audi five cylinder punched up to a 315 horsepower, I believe. Um, cool intake manifolds is powered by Porsche. Uh, so it just looks really rad. And of course, painted Nagara blue, a bunch of Porsche cues on it. Well, not always painted Nagara blue, but the, the iconic ones are. Um, Porsche and, mirrors, uh, Porsche yeah. brakes, Porsche wheels, just, just a, a whole bunch of rad par parts spin. I mean, it's a part spin special. Yeah. That turned cup, out to be cup ones from the what? Cup ones from the 964, 
the six speed, which is 01E, Audi wasn't really using much at the time. They were, but that's also the same transmission as if I'm sure folks can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was in the 968, uh, which was, was one of the transaxle um, front engine cars and the light clusters on the bumpers from 968 and cup mirrors uh, or the, the teardrop mirrors from the that 911, a lot of nerdy stuff in this car. And I would say back then that was a little bit more commonplace. I think people were less guarded on their trademarks or their brand identity. So you had Zuzus with chassis handling developed by Lotus and things like that. And they would just kind of attach names. But the, the cool thing, one of the cool things on the RS2 was it was assembled by Porsche. It wasn't on the same production right. line as the, the normal Audi 80s. And we'll get back or get more into that in a little bit. Um, so really, it's kind of equally or has a big chunk of Porsche. It's not just some badges. You know, this was yeah. and I mean, it seemed like Porsche needed the money and Audi invented a whole new class of car that essentially still lives on in a niche market to today. So it, where we are with RS2 right now is, is we're sort of like peak I wouldn't say who knows if we're at peak, but we're at this perfect storm of anything the Audi five-cylinder turbo is hot nowadays. The 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 um just the love of that era of cars, the rally era. And then on top of that, you have um Porsche, which anything Porsche is is hot right now, and it's 90s era, rad era, uh so-called. So anything late 80s, early 90s is su both super cool and because it's older than 25 years up until what we're at 96 now, super importable or very easy to import. So right more recently, I think you saw it in your video, I saw uh, you mentioned it, Doug DeMuro just recently bought one out of, it had previously been imported into Canada and that car, I think transacted over $70,000, which let's be honest is very high, not extremely high money, but it's top end of the RS2 market. I think it's becoming, I think now that is the market because we're seeing yeah. them listed in Germany at 55, 60,000 euros, which translates to about that. And it, it's, it's a surprise. I shouldn't say it's a surprise, but the money that an S2 event sells for today is the money that an RS2 event sold for a couple of years ago. Which is probably, I think I'm seeing the market like average cars, not like good survivors, but nothing spectacular just kind of well-loved though. In an S2 Avant, probably 25,000 to 30,000 euros. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, but as I was on with the Audi club, we did a, a car hunting quiz and I presented a 30,000 euro RS2. Super yeah. high mileage, questionable body, blah, blah, blah. Lots of dings and dents. Today, I think that car would sell immediately. Yeah. Well, okay. And so for perspective and a little foreshadowing, a plain Jane 80 Quattro, um, like, so same body style ish, at, like it's the 80 Avant, like the B4 Avant, that is the RS, that the RS2 is based on. You could probably get anywhere from like, say 2000 to 10,000 for like a super low mileage museum piece. I've been thinking for, I've been daydreaming for a long time of buying a front wheel drive manual base model one. And I would expect for a beater, 500 to 800 euros, you know, they're, 
They sold a bunch you'll, of them. They're not designed. You'll spend more shipping it across the Atlantic than you want. Exactly, exactly. But they're just, I mean, how much is a base model Audi 80 worth here? But then to put it in Germany's perspective, how much is a 1995 Chevy whatever worth? Because that's what it is over there. It's just a car. It's an appliance, which is what made the RS2 so phenomenal. It's this ultra hot rod version, a hot hatch version of a mundane car that a normal person would drive to their day job and now would drive stereotypically to their lower paying job because it's just a crappy old car. So the juxtaposition between the Audi 80 and an RS2 is fascinating. I think it makes the cars even cooler. But it means RS2 market is not bringing up that Audi 80 crappy silver exterior, plain black interior. It's a a thousand dollar car. Yeah. So which brings us to. Yeah. This car, which we had our first conversation on what, maybe a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, maybe almost three weeks to the day. This this came across across my desk. so I, I, this, this car was listed online at Sotheby's and it was a no sale. And I, I, I got a phone call from an industry friend who said, I've got another industry friend, really nice guy. I'd like you to help him. Can I give him a, can I give you a referral? I said, sure. You know, I'll give him my cell phone number. I'll, I'll chat. And he calls, uh, I want, I want, I want an RS2. I've worked for a singer. I worked for a spiker. I want a nice one. Hey, I, I like you already. <laughs> and he, he sent this one from Sotheby's and said, the, the seller outside of Sotheby's is offering it to me for Doug DeMuro-ish money. So yeah, upper echelon of what's getting to be the new average. And I looked at it and I said, you should buy this one for what we're seeing them for selling in Europe. By the time you get it, inspect it, pay shipping, everything else. This car, this car looks good. Go ahead. And then I noticed the VIN and I didn't know what was wrong. I just, something in my brain said, something looks wrong with this VIN. And I, I could not at that time have told you the, the first three letters of a RS2 versus an Audi 80, but my brain just, something in there said, mm, no, this, this something, the shape of something looks wrong. So I pulled it up and lo and behold, it showed Audi 80 just Audi 80. And all RS2s are essentially Audi 80s, a lot of car registrations for them, a lot of your DMV doesn't have an RS2 button, so they'll just press the Audi 80. And that's not incorrect. But an RS2 should have a special VIN with the Porsche uh, collaboration. And of course, the build sheet should be laden with all of the RS2 goodies. Every single piece, the lighting, the engine, every single part should refer to build this as an RS2. And so that that was the big red flag. So um, j- just uh, for, I guess, comparison's sake, the RS2 starts with what? Is it w- WAC? Uh, yep. WAC. So those would be the first letters. Yeah, WAC is all RS2s. And and so, um, and again, built in Stuttgart, so that might be one of the contributing factors in the difference in VIN. Anything out of Audi is going to, or at that, any 80 out of Audi is going to be WAU, I believe. 
WAU, yep, exactly. Um, and there are some outside anomalies. Um, all RS2s are RS2s, but some of them were built using S2 chassis. Um, Those were the early prototypes. Early prototypes. Right. And at that time, and I'm going to be careful with what I say, but there is a, a very... Uh, there's a very knowledgeable person in Germany, Benny Majarek. Um, and this was, I have to state, this was information that he worked on outside of his work. So he is not acting officially on behalf of any other entity, even though he is very related to one. Um, independently, he did a lot of research and a lot of hours on this. And to me, there couldn't have been a better person almost in the world that I trust on a friend level, but also that has the mm, insider access or verification, whose job is to verify things. He has access to the archives. He, he has access to whatever he wants. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, a couple of the early cars were built using S2 chassis. They did have the partial reinforcing, etc. cetera. Um, and at the time, Porsche did sell pre-production cars um they they wanted money um but there's a couple of facts about them one of which i'm going to keep secret sorry to tease everybody um but basically um you can tell by the registration you can tell by the first delivered there, there's ways that they can see and this this car that we're talking about was not one of those because this was one of the speculations it had an early build date. It was, uh, let me see, December 16th, 1993 is the, the, the VIN that we are talking about. And I guess that leads us into the whole point of this. We're yes. talking about a car, but we're also talking about a chassis number. And we're talking about, does right. this chassis number belong to this car? Does this car, did it come from the factory this way? Did it, what, what, what happened? Because this RS2 we're talking about does not have an RS2 VIN, in my opinion. So really quick, uh, on the, I'm trying to find it here. So I have in the library here at Audi Club, I have a German uh, language book, which I can't read because I'm not fluent in German. I might keep a das and- A delightfully nerd book that I, I love that you own. And I hope that our um, dear listeners take solace knowing that in your private collection, you have yeah, all this of this. This actually isn't even out of clubs. That's how nerdy this is, right? Like this is this is from my my personal crap because I did Fortitude for years too. I, I can I, see I, you opening it on Christmas morning, unwrapping and giggling like a schoolgirl, and your your daughters and wife. Ugh, well, I'll he's tell happy. you what. Little known fact. Here's the sad part about this, which probably speaks to so many of us. I bought a copy for myself off of Amazon, and then my wife bought me one for Christmas. So I have one here in the wrap that I'm going to give you, Jamie. That's not this one. <laughs> what? <laughs> so yeah, there's another one of these German Market 80 books. In, so we'll, we'll make sure you get that. I, but, I, um, my, my heart rate has increased. Right? Um, can you read German? Maybe... Because I cannot. Uh, yeah, it comes back in my vision, Deutsch. So okay, I also have Google Translate. So, you know. That's blowing to everything. Where you take pictures? That anyway. Was, yeah. Maybe I'll dig up the table here in a minute because I didn't bookmark it. But where I'm going with that is we can see the prototypes. I think they were built in 1992, actually. And there were four of them. Now, I don't know. I have not. I don't know about you. I have not verified which of the cars 
what happened to those four prototypes, but here's what I do know. There are two at Porsche in their collection. They may be prototype, they may not be, I don't know, but Porsche has two in their in the classic collection. And Audi has actually three RS2s. One was acquired later and is exclusive green. Brian Scotto drove that on his uh, show on YouTube. Uh, one is blue. I've driven that car, don't have the VIN, but uh, it could be one of the four. And then there's a gray sedan that I think was built for Louise Pierre. So I, I don't think that's one of the prototypes either. If we assume that those three others are, then that would only leave one prototype out there in the wild. And they, they can tell internally if the car was a prototype or not. Okay. There, there's a couple of markers that we do not have access to, but that the, the mysterious people behind the curtain do and were nice enough to, um, to tell me succinctly why this was not one okay so, so we i think we can rule out the prototype thing. that's option number one this is a prototype what they claim and we we might have skipped five claims. minutes ahead we, we might have skipped five minutes ahead for everyone that's listening this car is for sale it's a blue audi rs2 it was listed as an rs2 the asking price was eighty five thousand dollars in the usa it was imported quite recently um, I mean, I think I, I, I do have it somewhere, but anyway, in the last year or so. So this was not somebody wanted it in America early before the 25 year and they swapped the VIN or something. This was, this has a title from Greece. Um, it was listed at Sotheby's, no sale, almost setting a new record in the US market. And then it was listed at a private dealer who don't want any nefariousness i think that they are an innocent pawn in this car's history they put it up for sale and then as i was doing my research since it came to my attention a person in the car community made a post literally yesterday saying i just bought my dream car and spent eighty-five thousand on it and i had to make the awful awful phone call i felt obliged to I don't want to get involved. I, I don't feel like it's my duty or something. But with the information that I had, I felt like it almost I had to. I, I would want to know. So I made this awful phone call and said, I can't guarantee. I don't, I, I may never know the full story on this car, but this RS2, the chassis number says it's an Audi 80. And I, I called the dealership when they first listed it and said, I don't know how to tell you this, but there's something weird with this car. I don't know yet, but I'd be working on it. And they said, no, no, we did our due diligence. We pulled the carpets up. It's blue underneath. It's always been a blue car. And I'm, I'm just showing a picture of the, sure. the one picture of the car that you shared. And it, uh, it's, it's a, this is it. And it, it's a beautiful car. I mean, um, I did not pick up at the time. The front bumper is incorrect. It's a Rieger bumper. Uh, Diogo, uh, who owns an RS2, called that. I'm like, wow, dude, like even more nerdy than me. Love it. Um, Benny. Sorry, go ahead. Since we're looking at it, you taught me something else about RS2s uh, this week, which I didn't realize, is the in this car, you can see the orange side markers on the fenders, uh, which you may see on like other cars in period, and then we call them Euro side markers, because like, you know, like 9 or something. PTIs, right? The, in, in Europe, they were wired up as as blinkers. In, I guess, Japan, they were wired up as running lights. But like, in, in uh I don't know about the Audis, but I know Japanese market has these side markers too, but they're, they're typically constant on with headlights. 
Where I'm going with that, though, is I didn't realize this. Germany didn't have the Euro side markers. So domestic German market RS2s, some will not have the blinker on the fender. Is that correct? That is correct. When you look at the yeah. press photos and now you can't unsee it. Now that we have told you this, right. internet, you will always look at the front fenders of an Audi RS2 and go, oh, it doesn't have it. And it looks so much cleaner. It doesn't look wrong with them. And it's not wrong. Right. But... And, and, and even funnier, some of them were retrofitted. So if you bought a German car and you went, took it to England, they will make you drill the holes. <laughs> so, and, and that happens you know, with the golf rallies as well. They're retrofitted and they have junky wiring to them to make them but, legal. So that's something interesting we haven't talked about. Looking at this photo, I was going to say that you can clearly see this car has it. So it's theoretically an export market car where you would assume that the, the, um, the prototype cars that were built were, I don't know, perhaps likely, you know, German Not. market because most of the press photos from launch period don't have the markers. That was a conversation um, with the two experts that I talked to in Germany. Um, that, and that, that was the first thing one of them brought up. Say, ah, oh, it's an export car or it was a German car with holes drilled in it. Right. Um, and they could not say for sure which it was. If we go and look at the fenders and, and look if, they're, if it's yeah. painted, but then we think this car was painted later, which we'll get into in a moment. Um, but yeah, that, that is an interesting point that yeah, so, I, I didn't but, know before. But so quick, I, I'm going to guess too. Um, I don't know about your rally golf. I do know I had a German mark, well, an early production BR6 Jetta. So it had German market fenders on it with caps, right? Where the holes were. But it, it, by the time you get to the Mark III Volkswagen area, you've got like stamped holes, separate fender part number for, uh, for those markers. And, and it's pretty obvious if something's been retrofitted because they don't fit flush. Now, I don't know. I think the, the B4 just had a hole in the fender, correct? It wasn't, it wasn't like a stamped designed thing. Or I, I, I don't know on this one. I really don't. To me, it looks like they don't sit flush, but I don't know. So I'm not even going to speculate on that, it, but it is an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. It may not fit. Where I'm wondering is like even the B3, and I, unfortunately, I'm not that up to speed on B3 Euro marker fitment, right? But like, but uh, it may not fit flush because I think on like the Mark IIs and like the Mark, certainly the Mark IIs um, in Volkswagen, the the, uh, the Corrados, the um, the B2 Audis, it doesn't fit flush. It's a, it's a, it's literally a hole that it just pops into. So it may be a stamped hole when they make the fender, but it's nothing stylized and stamped as like a, as like a rectangular you know, shape for, for like the drop-in piece that goes into like the Mark III. Weird flex, but I have a mint condition, low mileage Mark III European Ford Fiesta out there. That and is it, it has factory original, just a hole. That's it. Yeah. And you, you just stick the, the side marker or the, the indicator repeater on it and that's how the factory did it so right. very very common uh, but yeah that is an interesting point and the chassis number the wau was an audi 80 and it was sold new in greece and i've seen the paperwork for this car there is the original paper from greece which brings up a, another interesting point it does make it hard to trace cars in general if this was just an Audi 80, there, there's, I mean, an, I, I bought a, a car in Mexico and it came with the original 
title that was issued by the dealership. And every time that car gets sold, the original title gets handed carefully to the next person. They don't issue a new one each time. And there's other markets that do that as well. So sometimes having that original paper doesn't mean it's one owner per se. It's just been passed down the line. And sometimes there's spots where each next person signs it, which is wild to me. I'd, I'd lose that. Like no way. 25 years later, we've all managed to not lose a title, but over you know, in certain markets it's treated like it is the car. Do not lose it. Um, so this car does have the paperwork that matches the title that matches the chassis number. And it was imported through New York and it was done with that VIN. And it does say on that paperwork, the import paperwork, Audi 80, which is, doesn't mean it's not an RS2. Again, it could just say that, but the story basically came to a head yesterday. It was a bit of happenstance. Um, somebody related to the transaction sent a photograph of a car that I imported and said, this car has the same style VIN as this Audi 80 VIN. So don't worry about it. And as soon as, as Ant, the buyer of the car, the enthusiast buyer sent me that, I, I have the paperwork for that car on file. I, can I, just, I know that can car. I can I just, I, I, before you go much further, I was curious when you first told me the story, the, it, it's not the same style name. They have three different letters. Well, th they both start with W, I suppose. So, but the next two letters are different. That's a point. And or so- no, W-A-C, W-A-U. So they're not yeah, the same. They're not the same, but somebody involved in the transaction incorrectly or correct that, and, and I think incorrectly said it. And I think they did it kind of in good faith. It was just a slip up. Yeah. And that led me to- what I believe is the solution. I don't know if we're going to wrap this up and I can just spill the beans or whatever. But so I called the owner of this bin that just got passed around on the internet. Like, oh, hey, this is proof that the WAU, the Audi 80 is an RS2. But I know that car. I've driven that car in Europe. I've driven that car here. I have copies of that car's paperwork and triplicate backed up in two different locations. I take this so seriously. And the chances of them using the exact car that I imported in the USA, there's a decent chance. I don't know if I've done 2% or 50% of those cars, but whatever. Right. But globally, you know, more than one or 2% of those cars I've handled. And so immediately just, okay, here's the paperwork. So I called the owner who's a massive Audi nerd. Um, he runs AMS in Newark, a big, big five cylinder person. Um, I said, hey, your car is getting kind of thrown around and your name's involved in this is saying this car is real. And he said, yeah, they contacted me. I, I told them, you know, they need to do this, blah, blah, blah. And that it doesn't sound cool, but it's possible. And I didn't really give them a yes or a no. And I said, well, okay, but you know, your, your car is getting used as an example. He said, no, absolutely not true. However, I know that you should be nice guys. I'm going to call them. And he did. And I talked to them and they, they said, yep, yeah, we pulled the carpet up. It's blue underneath. I said, okay. And they said, this is, this is the original car. It's blue. I said, okay. I'll take your word for it. Thanks for doing your due diligence. I'll keep investigating. I'll get back to you with hopefully good news. If it's pre-production, maybe bad news if it's stolen or something. So Diogo called them. They pulled the carpets, they pulled the trunk carpet and lo and behold, they found the red paint. So this is red paint underwear. If you're going to respray a car, 
it, this is, chances are this is someplace where the original paint might reside. Yeah. And I apparently, to my understanding, from a very quick and kind of yelling phone call last night or yesterday afternoon, it was somewhere in the trunk. Um, and they discovered, they said a burgundy color. And it just so happens that the paint code on the original build sheet of the Audi 80, which apparently is showing front wheel drive. I didn't really notice this on the PR code. It wasn't even a quattro. Which I was, it... was going to get to that. Let's go over color first. Right. Z3N. So Z3N is the paint code that was used. As you know, RS2s were painted funky colors. It's not impossible that they were painted this color. But Wait, to I saw me... In, in the video you released this morning on your YouTube channel, and if you look it up, when you, you, you search Google image search and one of the first things pop up is this, what was it, Robin Red? Was that the name of it? Yeah, and that's the, the translation. There's, there's an RS2 in that color in the search. There is, there is. So it, it's not, yeah, it's, it's weird. Now, it's, it's almost a dark hole going down there because some of them, the front pictures are like, there's an Audi 80 cabriolet and, and things like that, but it's not impossible that one was. It's just not right. They would have the wrong VIN. So we've disproved the VIN pretty succinct but with some insider information on the record and off the record this was not a pre-production car it doesn't align with the pr codes anything else it was supposed to have been an all original blue car and it wasn't it, it was red which now matches exactly what the audi 80 event was built as as the z3n paint code there's so, a sorry go ahead well, I was just going to say, I guess my other curiosity on that is I didn't see the video. I don't think it's out there anywhere, right? You've, perhaps you saw it or Diego's up, but um, the red that's visible on the chassis, do we know that's Robin's egg red or is that? No, I, I, I literally got a three minute phone call in the meeting of my normal work meetings of, yeah. hey, yeah, they, they pulled the panels. I told them which panels to pull. There's like one weird one in the back somewhere and underneath it's like a, a dark red, a burgundy. I'm like, okay, I, I, I so know what color. Be. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I think the chances are pretty good. I'm, I have not verified that and I have not seen this car. Yeah. I would love to. If I was independently wealthy, I would love to just fly or drive down to, to Florida and, and go over it. It does look wonderful. The very, very nice people of the dealership that are now holding this car said it drives phenomenally. Um, it was sold with a foreign title. Apparently, that was an issue for some buyers at Sotheby's. Um, they have now registered it with the federal paperwork in the USA. So they've taken care of a lot of the things that the person who imported it did not take care of. And they, the, the person, one of the guys at the dealership, super, super nice guys, drove the car and just said, I'm in love with it. It drives so well. And I, I think that's fair because it has everything. It has the chassis reinforcement points, which to me was a deal breaker for this car being a body swapped. I was looking at it that if it has all the original rare reinforcement pieces that made an RS2 special, that to me, oh, it has to be an original chassis. And my, my train of thought, my Columbo sluicing was going right. that direction. And then Diogo said, nah, I used to buy those direct from Audi. They were cheap. 
Um, I welded those into a whole bunch of cars. So okay. he was welding them into 80 coupes. He was welding them into whatever they would go into. And he was like, yeah, they sold them. They were cheap. It takes 10 minutes for me to spot weld it in. Done. I'm like, okay, well, you disproved that process <laughs> right. for me that this right. was an unobtainium part. But it does have all of those pieces. And it does have all of the parts, okay, Rieger bumper slightly aside, right. that makes it an RS2. So is it an RS2? So, uh, well, a couple things. One, I'm going to share, because I did find the screen capture of, here's one of the things I'm curious about is, so this is a scan from the book that I mentioned, right? And uh, trust me, because I don't have, I didn't take a picture of the whole page, but I'm sitting here looking at the real page. These are production years, right? So this is 1992. This is when these four prototypes were built. And so the one line is, RS2s that were built, and the other one is for, for Germany. So we can see that these were German market builds. So probably like the press photos show, wouldn't have the Euro side markers on them. And again, build date 1992. Now we move over here to 1993 and the build date on that chassis is 1293. Yeah. Right. Actually 1216, 1993. Because Audi Tradition got back to, yeah. So since I, I did get an email back this, this morning from Audi Tradition, all, you know, they gave me the basic dates, right? Like the dates it was produced, where it was delivered to, Greece, Bless their hearts for doing that. All that they yeah. did was give me the same information that I knew. Right, right. <laughs> so, did you know it was delivered to Greece? I don't know if I'm offering anything new there. I, I, I knew from externally, I cannot see that on my systems. Um, okay. I cannot see confidential information, dealer information, etc. I can see every other piece of information that Audi gave us, okay. which is included in my video. But if, hearing it confirmed was very nice. Yeah. Okay, so beyond that, again, look at this, 1993, zero, nothing there. And then production begins in 1994. Now, when 1994 production begins, could that have been in December 93? They don't really work like we do with model years in the U.S., so I don't know. And I, I to be honest, they, I haven't They had... do, they do. Okay. And, in, and in fairness, this 12, December 16th, 1993 car model year shows internally as a 1994 model. Okay, so it's possible... So Yes, from that it's a bit opaque there. And that was one of the discussions. One of the pro propositions um, for an explanation was that this was a pre-production model. The other story was this was vinned specially by Audi to commit tax fraud in Greece. You you laugh, but I mean, it, right. it happened. There's all these no, it's, stories. No, it's especially of... by Audi thing that, that not that it would have been. I, I don't. I'm I'm not no in Yeah, no diss on Greece, but I, I can totally see some rich guy in Greece going, you know what? It would be cheaper for me to buy that 1.6 liter 80 and put the bin on it <laughs> than to pay taxes on this thing. And that is a very that is one option. That is a very yeah. plausible option. And, and we hear those stories, especially from Brazil. Brazil was a hundred percent tax duty on foreign vehicles, which is why the Brazilian market is so fascinating because they're so insular. America, you know, the, the big three, four, whatever would kill to have that sort of, you know, I mean, hey, the chicken tax, 25% on commercial vehicles kills it for us. So right. for a commercial vehicle made in Europe coming to the USA. So having 100% duty and double chat a number before you quote me, but that's the number that I, I that gets thrown around. So for 100% duty, yeah, if you're, the, the stories go, you buy the base model Lamborghini, 
and you take the VIN off and you swap it onto your whatever SV super whatever, and your million dollar car becomes a $200,000 car and you pay your $200,000 in taxes, you got a $400,000 car that's a million dollar car. So you're, you're winning. Yeah. But if you, if you don't mind bending the walls a bit, the, um, I, so I guess that, that I will, I will tell you, so you, you called me yesterday. I happened to be on my way home from school. I picked up my, my sixth grader at school and, um, <laughs> and, and the grimace is just because this is such a crazy story. There might've been an F-bomb dropped. It's funny after we got off the phone, I will tell you that because uh, at a certain point after the F-bomb was dropped, I tell you that my kid's in the car. <laughs> and Jamie is, if you can see the screen, was as embarrassed last yesterday as, as he seems to be now. I will say I brought this up with her this morning as we were chatting on our way in because I was telling her the mystery of this RS2. And she was like, Dad, I've heard that word all the time. Like we use it at school. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> well then no big deal. But um, I did not know I was on a speakerphone and all access three weeks of, you know, volunteering time, just right. nerdy, you know, I'm, I'm, I work so many hours and then half an hour every day, I'm just, my brain's ticking on this, this story. And so when I kind of found out that this, this car was not what we thought it was, yes, I may have used an expletive while also jumping up and down right because um, well, you kind of broke you kind of figured it out yesterday so like i i will say this so i ran her i told her all the clues she likes mysteries right so it's like all right the mystery of the blue rs2 so let's let let's go through this right so i gave her all the facts and we kind of winnowed it down to uh this really has to be one of two things and i think I, at this point i can rule one out based on something you said earlier it's either an rs2 with a swap vin in it and a new paint coat change right to, to nagi because it was originally red or so an originally red rs2 paint paint change to nagi which if you're going to resell an rs2 nagi's nagara blue is the, the yeah. easy color to sell or it's an 80 quattro swapped maybe somebody wrecked an rs2 and they had all these parts or let's say maybe even stolen and put on an 80 quattro um and and then resold as an RS2. I think that second one can be ruled out because I can't find any evidence of Audi ever selling a 1.6 Quattro. They did sell a two liter Quattro, but I, I, I don't see any 1.6 Quattros leaving the factory. After talking to more people about welding in the the chassis reinforcements, etc., I think if you have both cars side by side and swapping swapping the mounting points, changing a chassis, I mean people are doing that for fun. In, in their garages and sheds. So I think anything's possible. But, so, but that era, you're talking a different floor plan. Poor, sorry, floor I, oh, plan. I, I agree. People are literally drilling out the spot welds and changing yeah. the rear pans on their Mark IV Golfs and whatever else. And but, the, but, but those are unobtainium cars, right? You look at like- No, no, I, they're just junky Mark IVs. No, but like, that's not what I mean. There was never a, there was, well, I guess in Mark IV, there was a Bora IV motion in Germany, right? But like where I'm going with that is like, if you have a, a Corrado that you're converting to all-wheel drive, well, that's, that's an, which has been done a couple of times. That's a very, it would never came from the factory that way. So you're going no, to have to- but you it. would use a Mark II rear and swap that in. Right. So there, there's, anyway, so this, this shell is somewhat interchangeable. So I can't rule that out. If we could get okay. underneath it and really look at the spot whales and everything, I, I, I think we could learn more. But that's, this does bring us up to, I just don't think we're going to know. What we can say is that 
this WAU VIN is incorrect for an RS2. Yeah. It is not a pre-production car. At some point it's been red. It was not an original blue. And I have not verified that. I'm going by the, 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 the dealership and Diogo, an expert in New Jersey there. Um, so that is, is best it, with as much good faith as I can possibly say. These are the facts that we know. Um, it was the Audi 80 was sold in Greece. If there was an Audi RS2 related to this that was made into it, that car is going to be practically impossible to track down. If you are tuning in Audi and Volkswagen do not put chassis numbers on many of their parts. Um, engine numbers are rare. Transmission numbers, to have a numbers matching car in our world is very, very difficult because they simply didn't number them. Or even if there's a serial number, a production number on an head, a cylinder head, it's not noted or it's not really attached to it. It was just a batch number. And that makes it really difficult for us. So it's just sleuthing and, and seeing what bolts, et cetera, but on a, on a 25, 26 year old car, so much of it's been changed anyway, you, you, you just have to use your intuition. And so you, you did say the word stolen, that was a train of thought. I mean, you know, the, the kind of, you buy the base model, you go steal the best model, you put them together, you get rid of the evidence and now you've got the hot version in your original base version that you bought or you know, whatever it is you, you buy you know the, 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 all the jokes in the car world you buy you, you buy a used car you go rent <laughs> the same car and just move the wheels over or whatever like, kids don't do that but yeah. these are folklore stories but in the in the era though it was not uncommon for cars to be stolen maybe you know move across a border in the eu pre-eu times and and that that is the stereotype and there's yeah. no car facts which is a pet peeve of mine when you see a recently imported car for sale in the usa and it says it has a clean car facts oh good oh great that means since you imported it and treated it nicely it's had no accidents but prior to that nobody in the eu or anywhere else is reporting to carfax right. in fact so much so a lot of european cars don't even have chassis numbers visible they're not on the dashboard and well and they, your your photo i believe shows it on the firewall correct it's, yep. it's underneath the hood which, which brings up another one that this was part of my investigation um the vin is the VIN plate, which is the main location or re readable one on the car is the easy one. The rivets are incorrect. Um, Audi used a, an assisted riveter as opposed to a hand riveter. They coated the outside of the rivets. If this doesn't make your mind satisfied because of the engineering, I don't know what will, but because of the metal and the, the different metallurgies there, they literally insulated the rivet from the other metals on the body and the rivet with a little plastic sleeve, which I just love. But this blue RS2 or this blue Audi A2 or whatever we're calling it, this WAU VIND car just has normal hand rivets. You can get, you know, Pet Boys or Harbor Freight or something. That doesn't mean, I mean, if I were going to paint this car, I would remove the rivets and do them by hand. I think that's more important than masking off and keeping the original rivets. 
but it was just one more little thing on it. But the dealer in Florida did say the chassis numbers elsewhere in the car all match it, which is again, not impossible. People shave their rain trays for looks. You can, it's held in by a bunch of spot welds. And when you look at the paint around that area on a beautiful car, the engine bay has some weird paint. The strut towers normally do wear away the strut caps there, wears away the paint. But again, this one, when I saw the engine bay photo, I just said that there's some weird marks up there. And that led me to, okay, maybe it was a blue RS2 and somebody cut out the range tray, welded in another one, painted it, hand riveted it. And my brain was kind of going there down the lines of, okay, maybe some innocent person had an RS2 stolen back in the day and you just swap the identity in from this other one. But the more it unfolded, the less I've lent towards that. Um, it, it, uh, yeah. So you, we may never you know. Think it's, you think it's the WAU chassis, that's, but then why the rivets? That's where it's been going. Well, the rivets would be because they painted it. Okay. And it's not, I mean, we've, we're car people. We do crazy things. So the idea of removing these chassis reinforcing points and transferring them over instantly you start thinking, oh, that's nuts. But no, I, I've spent <laughs> days, <laughs> weeks cleaning up tiny little pieces that somebody will never see. And so it, it's, it's somebody out there knows the answer. Yeah. But on the record, one of the manufacturers is saying no. <laughs> and on the record, another of the manufacturers is saying, no, it was an Audi 80. That's it. So, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. I don't, I don't find joy in this. Um, I find a little, I think it's a, a little sad in a way because we never expected these cars to become such collector items. Who would have thought $85,000? Right. I and think that's, that's the context of it, right? Like it's 70 where Doug bought his. I mean, I've been seeing them, you know, we had this group on Facebook, right? Where some of us hang out and post cars often that we see in Europe because we know is. a nice guy named Jamie Orr who can import them for us. It's how my green car ends up here, right? But like where I'm going with that is we've been watching RS2s for a while. So ever since they came, the, what, 94 would have been the first um importable ones so they've been importable for about two years now and so they've been coming in you've you've logged all the ones you've logged and and you know seeing them around like nice ones were around 50 i remember last year there was like an early at exclusive yellow one that wanted like seventy five thousand euros and you know it, it's it's but otherwise 50 was kind of 40s maybe even down into the 20s for like that ratty one you mentioned but like that this is 85 transacted is is I think a I don't know if it's a new high but it's certainly high for my context and that's investment unless you've got the uh, aforementioned f bomb money right? <laughs> right like unless you have that 85 grand is an investment you're hoping not to lose it I'm gonna guess your friend was probably thinking about it as a toy but also an investment I would say guessing putting words in his mouth fun toy. I mean, yeah. I, I think this is the whole rad era thing that we're all getting older. Right. The big money cars, the brass cars, the brass era, the, the 30s, the, the Phaetons and things. Yeah. We're losing those people. Those, those people that, that taught us 
you know, how, how to weld or, or, or whatever they, 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 they taught us specifically, they are passing away and the prices are tumbling. So seeing those, you know, mainstream news headlines of new record set, 5 million, 10 million, whatever it was, those cars are, in my opinion, they're all safe. They're not getting crushed or crashed anymore, but they're diminishing in value. And then we went into the 50s to 60s and Barrett Jackson, new record for a Corvette, new record for a 55 Buick or something. That's kind of timing out too, or at least an excitement in the industry. That generation is now in their 70s or 80s. We, we are those guys now. We are the 35 to 60-year-old guys, and we are... We, we, we like this, the eighties and nineties, and these are our poster, our poster cars as kids. I, I, I always say that like, there's this bell curve in the car collecting world, right? Yeah. And it's all about your high school car. That's kind of the center yeah. of it. And as people start to have disposable income, so folks, car collectors, enthusiasts in their forties and fifties now are starting to enjoy that, that accruing income that they can go ahead and throw mm -hmm. into their high school car or not necessarily the car they own in high school but the car they fantasized about in high school then that's where you see the value so even now you're starting to see like the muscle cars and like the 60s eras e-types and those sorts of things getting soft because just simply the supply of, of people buying them isn't you know people and if they're around and their health is great god love them at the you know at the age where that was their high school car they're probably got other distractions as well. Like right now is like, there's this motivation. I bought a 911 a couple of years ago. It's 1990 the year, I, you know, my high school year. But like, it, I, one of the reasons I did it is because when I'm in my 60s, I may not have the knees or the hips or whatever to get in and out of this thing as much as I like. So I'm jamming. And I think that brings up an interesting point on the RS2. It yeah. was always an oddity. It was always a nerd car. It was a car for people that knew cars. It's not a Lamborghini or something. But I think that also brings us to an interesting point now that they didn't make many of them. Yeah. 2,900, thereabouts. Yeah. So, you know, and the Gulf Rally is another one. They made 5,000 of them. So supremely limited edition, which then means desirable. I mean, they're, they're hard to get. They're a status symbol. They're, I mean, they're, if you pull up to your cars and coffee, an RS2, like, oh, wow. You know, and it's not so much that it's a million dollar car. It never was, but it was this anomaly. And so I think now you well, can you can buy this practical car yeah. that is serviceable, usable, but is literally on posters and literally, I mean, Hot Wheels are releasing or Matchbox are releasing models right of now. this car. Yeah. yeah. You head to Walmart right now and like it, they're hitting any day. But where I'm in period, dude, you mentioned the million dollar car thing. I think this is worth noting too. What was great about the RS2 was that like, th so 315 from the factory may not sound like a lot, but it was the most Audi had ever put out in a, in a factory non-motorsport execution of the five cylinder at the time. And there were aftermarket tuners in period. So like people like Hohenester or I believe MTM, right? Hohenester is the one that sticks out to me because I remember seeing a story years ago of like somebody taking a Hohenester tunes RS2 and racing in a 40, which was the king of the hill supercar at the time. Yeah and beating it right at least zero to 60 maybe not around a circuit but but in a and line it, as a certain breed of car people that caught our imagination right and that same breed has grown up to be still be car enthusiasts but now 
hopefully we you know people have moved up with income etc with life and so they want this and at the same time we've happened into these cars being really cool this era is super hot in the car world you know even haggerty and, and motor trend and people are, are waking up to this and it's even more cool that it's a global phenomenon so that for that is one of my favorite parts of it that people in brazil oh rs2 people in austria britain wherever it is they know this car whereas if you look at the 70s muscle cars or something that was very u.s focused so that mainstream media etc they're cool maybe somebody in germany and they they do they have german american car shows and stuff and i i've attending one randomly in italy at, at a beach a car show of american cars of trucks and stuff like this, this is the weird. swedes love the big old american absolutely cars, but. but it's still an oddity whereas the rs2 globally it, it, i think it just hits the mark and we on our market we are car buyers america loves cars having a second car having a three car garage is not unusual as opposed to europe where maybe 1.5 cars is the average and having extra cars for the weekend here is very viable so i think we are we are a big buying force in the world and i think in some way the germans will say oh you're driving up the pricing you are taking our rs2s well we didn't get them so give us our chance but conversely they're also going up in germany and as you see Doug DeMuro or whoever posting videos and being excited, I think it does build excitement. And so that's why this, this car matters. I think that's Dude, why the story on this car is interesting. I'll tell you, when, when, we were, when I was trying to do the 911 thing, right? It was right about the time that like 960s weren't worth, they were maybe 20 grand, right? It was just, can you even fathom that today? But right. it felt like a lot of money. It did. It did. And it felt like a car that was going to cost you a lot of money to maintain. And, and then, so, but you watch them go, right? And so we've been watching the RS2 sort of go in the last two years since they've come available. And I, so I was emailing, I'd, I'd heard Doug got the car. We were emailing about it, trying to line him up for an interview too. And, and uh, we still haven't had a chance to do it. He didn't want to do it ahead of time because he hadn't told people he had the car yet, right? But like, we, I never discussed price with him. And then I saw his videos drop. So I was like, ah, of course I'll watch it. And he mentions the price. Like, damn it, Doug. Because he's got such a big audience too. <laughs> the moment you say 72 to an audience that big is the moment every kid in Germany who has one of these things is going to be like, my car is a 70,000 euro car. Fortunately, we're not there yet. But it's the, the trading price, the listing yeah. price. It, it's what they sold at is, is, is what. And this one did not sell at auction. Right. Apparently not having a U.S. title impacted the buyers, but that was not from Sotheby's telling me that. And so I, I think it's fascinating, but I, I do also, I've imported cars for groups of investors. And that's been a talk for the last, what, 10 years or so that you can play the stock market or you can buy art, whatever you want to trade in. And at some point, some of these cars are worth taking the gamble and if what, what return are you happy with three percent five percent ten percent ten percent sounds great if you can sit on a car and have it there looking beautiful and fully agreed value insured for your market expectation price why not drive it on the weekend have some fun with it if you enjoy looking at that painting cool if you enjoy looking at an rs2 cool if you enjoy looking at a blue Audi 80 with RS2 bits on it, cool. 
but I do think that there is, I, I think that, I mean, you've already said beginning at the beginning of this investment grade. Um, and right. The price that was being asked in Miami was certainly investment grade price. Or it's the new market price. I yeah. could argue that. Um, yeah. But to me, this is where the VIN matters. Right. It's, I mean, well, it's got exactly. a story and we don't know it properly. And to me, then if you sell it to the next investor, it's, it's got an asterisk. Well, and the, I, I, here's the other thing, because if you're looking for an investment grade RS2, this is probably worth covering too, is that like typically investment grade cars are incredibly original, like annoyingly original, right? And most people in period modded the hell out of these things. And, and a lot of turbocharged Audis are the same, the B5S4s, the RS4s. They were all modded. And if you look at this car, you know, um, you got the, the, which was it, the Rieger chin on this thing, but there are other things, right? There are oddities in the interior. If you look at like the, um, the, the underhood shot showed the manifolds that powered by Porsche manifold, but the... I, I, I just face palmed because on the dashboard, somebody drilled a hole and put a $5 toggle switch on it that I wouldn't want to put on my worst beater. And no. nobody that owned this car, no, person who sent it to Sotheby's thought I should remove that and put a damn Audi 80 because it's the same part right <laughs> cover to replace the one that has a hole drilled in it and you can probably hear my voice getting a little bit annoyed right. by that it, but it, under it the does. hood too there's like this aftermarket aluminum like the spark club the spark plug cover right and you can I, see the red I, I would put those into reversible modifications yeah. that I don't dislike but if this were a 50 to 60,000 RS2 the dollar, I would I would find that acceptable. To me, where the market is today at 85, I want that thing to be original. Uh, like, I think you're six months behind. Maybe so. I think this we are is... now seeing them listed in Europe for 50 to 60. And I think we're at the point, and I've watched this very closely with the golf rallies. It's a bit like Bitcoin. Right. Sitting on your Bitcoin, you're like, hey, it hit X amount. I put 50 bucks into it and now it's worth 500 so i can cash out i'm gonna do it i'm holding and i think people do that they've been holding these cars and they see holy crap i paid 20 for this and it's now worth 50 i'm cashing out and i think as it goes up more people that a year five years ago would never have sold their car are are, are selling and so they are trading faster but they are trading fast because there's also this fervor in the market i need it it's i was I will say I probably am late because when you said the price to me the other day when this thing popped up in Miami and I was like, no way. Like one, it's modded. Yes, it's Nagaro blue. It doesn't have the Nagaro in like the really blue, blue. the blue on blue, particularly if you can get like the blue Alcantara sport wheel, that's the like paying them out. Right. I'll take that one. But like this, it's, it's very, very nice. But like, when you told me that price, I was like, no way anybody's going to pay that. Right. Like, I, so you don't I have to worry about this. my thing. client to buy it. I straight up said for when, this when it was, but that was at the previous listing and that was at a lower price. It, right? it was yes. But I mean, let's just, I'm right now today, the live exchange rate on 60,000. Can we agree that 60,000 is what we're seeing them list asked for in Europe? I know of two Nagis in around 50. All right, so let's do 50. All right, real fast. Back of envelope. Uh, I don't know if do Americans use that. Um, so sure. 50,000 euros is $60,000. Okay. 
live exchange rate. So you're gonna, your bank's not giving you the live rate. So right now you're gonna lose, you know, three, 4%, whatever it is. So you're, you're, you're into 60, you've got to transport it, you've got to do the shipping, you've got to do your 2.5% tax, you've got a half a percent for port fees, etc. So now you are 10% onto that um, for import duties, for everything else, for losing the exchange rate, for having somebody go inspect it, wherever you are. So we'll round up to say 66. You've got your shipping, whatever, 3,000, 3,500. So now you're at 70 very okay. quickly. And I, I apologize if I did that too some quick. margin for the dealer. Yeah, no. I, you know, I, we're, yeah. we're there. And that's, that's, what, that's best case. I've done these cars from Norway. I've done them from Portugal. I did a golf rally from a remote island off the coast of Greece that we had to have put on a ferry and then delivered to a big truck somewhere else and then transported the whole damn way across the continent. So these cars are worth it. But again, that costs more money and more hassle and more risk. And I only use people that I have a relationship with over there in terms of you know the companies, the referrals, et cetera. But if you're booking your own transport, here's my $60,000 car, random right. trucker. So Please. I have a question. I have a question for you on this because the two I mentioned are, so, so the way Europe works, right? Like is if you have a nice car, well-maintained in Germany, you're paying premium pricing. If you find a nice car and great temperature for it, Southern Spain, Southern Italy, it's usually, it's you, you're gonna have, it's cheaper, but you're going to have higher cost in getting it to a shipping point in Germany. Correct. And or yeah, shipping out shipping of there, Italy's yeah. notorious for being kind of weird exporting cars and there right. being potential issues. There's also the stereotype. and. We more than ever in our lives should know not to overgeneralize or stereotype for, for, for a lot of reasons. Right. But the stereotype in the 90s and 2000s were there's no European Carfax. So if a car is damaged or taken without consent, etc., it would head to more bo across borders. Less, less strict. <laughs> Mm -hmm. strict places, and and like. would be rebuilt with cheap labor or cheap parts etc right. and i've had that happen i had a, a collector for an italian car send one of my inspectors down and he had an, a big deposit on a car all original 1950s bright red car i'll leave it at that original paint everything and my person went down with the trailer ready to do the transaction did the inspection found overspray in the trunk started pulling stuff apart, found bent metal on the inside. So this collector grade, big money car failed within five minutes. So after weeks or months of negotiation, photos, videos, wiring internationally, it came down to delivery day. And it was obvious. I mean, to a, a car person, inspector, whatever, noticed the overspray and dug in and now the whole back of the car has been hit and not hit and repaired repaired perfectly looks great but internally and that was it the buyer backed out i was very sad for him he later contacted me and said hey i didn't get my deposit back from italy you know it, it, it sucked thank you so much i don't want that car in my collection i would have considered a total loss for all of my money if i had mm -hmm. spent it on this car thank you so much that thank you for telling me that because I just right. felt miserable, and that's how I felt on this Audi. 
well, when I first I'm- discovered it, somebody's paid for it in good faith. Somebody yeah. along, you know, the, the stories got lost or clouded or hidden or whatever it is. And I was that person that, as far as I know, was the first one to realize this isn't right. I don't know why something's not right. And then to call the very nice dealership in Florida and say, and then to have to call a a very nice person in the car community who owns an Audi 50 coupe or a a hatchback. Um, So real Audi person, hey, your your dream car you just bought, it might not be a dream. I'm so sorry. I can't tell you for sure. And then that was yesterday. And by the end of yesterday, holy crap. Yeah. No, this, this, again, that's it. The trunk paint. That's where you got to check. It's the trunk paint. Always look for the damage or the paint in the trunk. So I have a, I'm not really curious, but I may send you down another road here with this one. I I presume you already did it, but just in case you didn't ask, I'm looking at this photo of the car that I put up earlier. The, 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 uh, here, see if you get where I'm going with this. Any chance you've tried calling Impocar a condis? Because I'm gonna guess <laughs> I'm gonna guess that's the Greek dealer who sold it. Now Sotheby's didn't have that. It had a different, or they blanked out the. Um, yeah, I guess. Let's see. No, it looks like it had a different plate on the front. Uh, now the screws wow. look in the same place. Maybe they just blacked it out. Um, if- no, no. Hey, internet, go for it. <laughs> Go for it. Go, go call. Yeah, don't tell them we sent you, though. No, hey, <laughs> Impocar Aconidis. The, the dealer Aconides? in Florida. Yeah. Oh. It comes up. <gasps> Did you find the car? Oh, my gosh. There's <laughs> photos of it in the wild. On auto get nope. spot. Spotted nope. for the first time. Yes. Yes. It's the, the car. It's it's just it? sitting in a parking lot in Greece. Ha! And there's like photos of people with it. It's yeah. And wait, it went through the Netherlands. The photo was taken in the Netherlands in 2015. Um, you know what's weird? I don't mm. know which month a number of a month is. So this was in eight. So I have to go January August. one. February. Oh, see, normal people that my brain cannot handle that. I can, I can notice that the VIN I, looks incorrect. Oh, the shape of I a was VIN. married in August. So guess how many of my passwords have that number? <laughs> I'm just saying, nobody hack my stuff, please. But so in August, 2015, uh, a auto photo spotter. Cool, cool, very cool. Um, car spotter and translation is, I guess, from, from Dutch spotted it in germany on greek plates in 2015 hmm. with the incorrect exhaust on it well it shipped out of germany do yes. we know what yep bremerhaven I... shipped yeah. out of bremerhaven 2020 i think from memory um but yeah multiple just unbelievable yeah a lot of photos of this thing um yeah very look at that how how weird i am um, my kid's father she, she was all into the mystery this morning. I'm telling oh, you. I love it. I love it. This is, you know, if we were better people, we would have, you know, made this more of a, a mysterious podcast instead of an hour and 50 minutes of rambling. So if you stay tuned through all of this, well, congratulations, you are a certified nerd. And I right, love right. you. You're as nerdy as the two of us. So, well, I guess that, so that was going to be my next question. So when I bought a car in Virginia once, particularly when they caught fire, that's been an investment car too, the, um, the, the, the 
I was able to roll into the Virginia DMV and get a 30 day temp tag so that the owner didn't have to give me the tags to drive home on. So I guess what I'm wondering is, this is totally unrelated to this car, except it's out of Southern Europe. If I decide, holy crap, the RS2 market is hotter than Hades and I want to buy one of those noggy 50,000 euro cars tomorrow, not that I can fly to Italy, but if I could, can you get a temp tag and just drive the thing back to, like, because the expensive shipping it back to Germany sounds like Germany and up through Switzerland, et cetera, would be a whole lot of fun in an RS2. I was only half listening to you because honestly, now you've sent me down the rabbit hole of this car. Um, and <laughs> so, I have more well, things to talk about then, on buddy. it. Um, yeah. All right. Every country is different. Just like every state is different. Pennsylvania yeah. will not issue a temp tag to somebody who lives in Pennsylvania. But if you are from outside of Pennsylvania, they will. In Germany, they are great. They will give you tempor uh, temporary transport. Temport? Did I just make up word? They'll sell you temp tags, but the car must have inspection before they will issue them. So if you buy an old car that's been sitting or the register or the inspection expired, you're not getting them. Okay. Britain, the license plates stay with the car forever. However, every single road and every single police car pretty much has automatic cameras that read the number plate and they check insurance, registration, which wow. is tax automatically. And if you if a cop car is behind you and they automatically read it, you're getting pulled over and you're probably not driving away. So you need to make sure you have insurance. You need to make sure the car is taxed. You might be able to tax it yourself or you can ask the seller, look, could you just leave your tax on it for like an extra day and like not tell them? So every country does it differently. Um, in Spain, where I bought the Audi hearse, I was able to transfer the plates to myself, but I had to go to a, like a lawyer and it was just a different way of doing it. So everyone has their own way. Holland's great. Um, but every country is different. So yes, you could fly in and drive it. Um, another thing on this car, because I'm going deep on as we're on the internet here. We've got to no, wrap up at more. some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can, you, it, can you share screen if you have pics? Uh, yeah, let me just make sure that like, you know, my any F-bombs are, <laughs> um, are off of there. All right, let's, or, I'm also running, I'm running four screens. So let me just make sure I get the right one. All right, here you go. Yeah, you with me there? Yeah. All right. There it is. Now here's one thing. 10,000 miles. This is the yeah. same car and it's listed one owner, 10,000 miles. We know right. somebody else owned it in America and put a thousand kilometers, let's say miles, thousand kilometers on it here. How many kilometers are on it? 10,000? Uh, I think, no, I want to say, um, here it is. Sorry, the photo here in Enshida. Netherlands, which is really far from Greece. If this is right. the, if it drove, if it's sixteen thousand kilometers, ten thousand miles, that's pretty much that trip. No, not exactly, but a half of its entire mileage would have come from that. Um, but um, I would say, let me see, RS two, and it was Sotheby's. So there we go. Um, also, thanks, thanks to Sotheby's. Um, they did talk to me. I talked to the, uh, Ian, who is one of their chief officers. Um, very nice people help look into the car. We're very concerned. They really want to make sure that the cars go through there are correct. This one was not flagged as stolen because the VIN is not. Right. And to um, most people, it's an Audi 80, whatever. Yeah. So, so that was no issue there. Um, but let's very quickly just jump over to the dashboard. Um, where do, 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 do. I'm so sorry, this is boring for people. Mm -hmm. 
here we go, 163,000, which is 100,000 miles. Right. So when it's banding around on, on Hemmings, et cetera, with, um, you know, showing. Um, I will say if you're coming from other collector zones too, 100,000 miles on a, like, like I'm, I'm more used to the 964 market, right? Because I tried to buy one for so long. <laughs> and like, you have great drivers at that price, but the collector ones, the ones that are pulling top, top dollar are collector grade, like, not six figure mileage right like i think that's not an issue on these cars i think these cars were drivers the they, of course we call them the autobahn stormers right. um i i have you know all, all of the cars that we've imported have been i've imported have been less so about mileage and more in condition um that one that we talked about the twenty thousand, thirty thousand euro nogaro blue it had over two hundred thousand miles oh I mean, it, wow it was a lot but I mean, that's that's what you get for it. Alternatively, my Golf Rally has, I don't know, 70,000 miles or something on it. And I'm so proud to, right. to have that. And then, hey, conversely, but I, I, just, I just brought in a, a station wagon for myself, a Volkswagen one, full service history. It's got 130,000 miles. I couldn't care if that car has 20,000 miles or 130. One owner, every single right. service book stamped. These are drivers. I think... The Porsche, to your point, it's more exotic. Uh, engine rebuild might be needed. These things. Well, yeah, that's 100,000 miles is a $10,000 <laughs> engine rebuild. It's so like more or less, you if you're around 100 and it hasn't been done, then yeah. you're Whereas knocking 10 off the price of the car. Audis, et cetera, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, it's just normal stuff, the timing bell, whatever it is. None of it's that crazy unique. Um, and I think now some makes them fun and obtainable and less so investment park it away more so you can just drive it it's just a normal car that happens to be supercar fast for the era and that's yeah. what makes them so damn but cool I, I will say if you have a low mileage stock example though like that is that is i we have an old audi 4000 in the house too and it's a high mileage it's a well-maintained high mileage car so kind of like what we're talking about here but like at the end of the day, and what we always say about the 4,000, I think applies to all these cars too, right? Like they were driven hard, put away wet and modified, right? Like, and so yes. finding something low mileage and unmolested is in any, like the Volkswagen Audi space is, is I would think even exponentially worth more because it's so rare. People, you know, people bought 911 stuck them in garages and didn't drive them. And that's, and that's happening- with the rally golfs and um, the editor right. Elliot from performance VW, he was doing a big engine swap, took years to do it. And then a couple years ago, he said, actually, I can't do that anymore because right. the value I've got the original motor and my, my car, my golf rally, I did put a different supercharger on it. And so to do that, I put a different motor in it and I took out the original motor and supercharger and mothballed it. It's in a Volkswagen engine crate saved because it wasn't fast enough. I wanted to make it how I wanted it to be. And I put this big charger in, but the idea of blowing up that priceless original block, which is right. specific to them. And so they only made however many that just wasn't okay for me. So mine has a motor swap right now, but I did that as a collector to be a reversible modification. So, so that's the advice I would give. If somebody's collecting, if they're buying this car, not just to enjoy, but they want an investment granted don't invest in cars like if, if your pure thing is or to, do well here's where i'm going with this 
here's where I'm going with this. I've done okay with the older cars I've bought. They've all kind of gone up. But if you back out, and you can drive them on like investments in like, you know, stocks or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you back out repairs and maintenance and insurance and everything else, you will make more money in the market. So if your objective is to make money, that's probably the easier way to do it. Where, where I'm going with it more though is if you, do, if you want to minimize your loss of money, and in particular now, if you're getting into RS2, it's a mature market. It's not mature in that it's not growing anymore, but it's certainly, the deals are kind of gone, right? You didn't get in at Dogcoin when it first started. Like you right. had missed that boat. So, so where I'm going with that though, is like if you are buying an RS2, not to just drive and enjoy, but partially as an investment and you want to protect your investment, one, check the bin, as we saw here. But two, the more stock or the more two factory you can make it like is unless it's a famous modded car like that maybe if you have like the Hohenester car the ppf 40 100 percent. but but like otherwise it's it's worth the most as it sits and if it's got the hole drilled in the dash if it's got the wrong manifold when i had the correct manifold but if it's got the wrong whatever plug cover whatever like if you can put it back it's probably worth more to the next owner and so if you're investing that much it's good that this is a beautiful car. And I think I saw you say in your video, I agree with you. I'd love to have it in my garage, just drive around and play with it. But like, if you're concerned about getting your investment back out of it, that would be, if you're going to pay top dollar for it, that would be my concern. I think as car people, we don't mind stories. If a, if a modification makes sense and if the story is, I have the original part in the box, et cetera, then, then great. Um, I'm going to do two disclaimers before we wrap this up. Okay. Um, as somebody that worked for, um, for Vanguard, a large mutual fund company, um, stay, stay in the market, invest wisely. We are not giving any advice here. Um, I think you're right. I, I think cars sound fun to invest in. Um, I think that rally golfs, things like this, Lancia Delta Integrales are fun to, to think about. Um, I hate the idea of flipping cars so much hassle and i just see problems with the cars every single car ever now i can't stop seeing this exhaust on this out this blue audi that we're talking about um also second thing is a really big big thanks to the dealership in florida i i think that they are in this now weird bad however you want to describe it situation that they are holding this proverbial hot potato um, you know, and, and, and they potentially could be the losers in this. Um, I hope not. I hope nobody does. And I hope this has a great innocent story and we, we may never get to the very, very bottom of it. We've just been able to prove what is not, not who did what. Right. Um, and I, I feel bad for them, but they have been genuinely really, really nice. They are very concerned. Um, and the customer in New York that gave the deposit, they're giving him a full refund, um, they have been completely above the board. They have called me just to chat. Um, and, you know, so they're, they're very concerned that they don't want to be perceived as in on this in any way or something. And it's my complete belief that they, they were not. Um, and I hope it doesn't turn out to be a bad situation. As we know, dealerships are in the, the business to make money. I assume that they did have some sort of margin built into it. So I hope that they can find the right owner for this car, which I think is still desirable and Very that so. yeah. they do not lose their asses on it. Um, I also genuinely, I put out my YouTube video this morning because I couldn't think of a more succinct way to explain all of these facts and things and, and show my evidence, et cetera. 
I, I felt great concern. I, I didn't want a backlash. I didn't want, wow, you're beeping on this car, you know, blah, 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 mind your business or something. And right. I, didn't, I didn't go looking for this. This this found me. And unfortunately, wow. I, I found I found this story and I, I wasn't ready to go live with it until- I'll tell you, man, I wrestle with, you know, we've been having this conversation for a while, and I knew you'd kind of come to a, a point where you're running your video and you were summarizing and uh, we wanted to do the same, which is why we're on this call now. But I, I think part of it too is like, you wrestle with, you know, you, you, it's, the dealers being on the up and up as it sounds they are, right? Like you, you don't want them, nobody wants to get screwed, right? In, in this. And, and so I think it's the important thing, what you're doing here, I think is, and I admire is you're laying the facts out there, right? If people are still going to want, I mean, you see them all the time, cars that are this or that or the other thing, uh, they may not be that perfect specimen, but it's still a very, very nice specimen, right? Like, and so, and so at least people are aware of what they're getting. And if they're aware of what they're getting and they're willing to pay a certain price, then, you know, I have no doubt there'll be people out there like that. And by the way, you're probably getting exposure for the car too, in as much as more people will know it's available and on the market. Brian um, Scotto and I were texting at 3.30 this morning. So he was still working at 12.30 and I was still working at 3.30 a.m. Yeah. And he was like, I'd like to buy this. Yeah. You know, if this, if I get the right price, like I'm in. He's like, and I, he was in it. What an, a real RS2 was selling for a couple of years ago. So it right. is, it, it's, you could not, and I, I talk about that in the video and I'm not, again, I'm not here trying to market myself, my services, or oh, I'm on YouTube. It just felt like the best way to be able to share all of the screenshots, all of the information there. I, I think it is an interesting story, but more so, I just, I, I, the idea that a stranger or indeed one of my friends goes in at the top end of this market for a genuine, real, no story car right. and then finds that out later and its value halves or they're very disappointed that, 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 that's why it has to be shared. Um, I do think it also, it's, it's a good thing for check, check everything you can. I mean, any car, when I buy it, if it's a, a car in Pennsylvania down the road from us, go and look at the VIN, not just on the dashboard, check it on the chassis, compare it to the title before you buy it. If yeah. someone's buying a car remotely, ask for a video just something it's it's just good practice um, and i think this is a reminder of that this would not have shown it the paperwork matches the chassis so then you need to pull the information or have somebody with access to pull the information and somebody with knowledge and then it gets more difficult and now you're into a ppi a pre-purchase inspection which porsche guys might like audi volkswagen lancet delta integrality people they don't you, you want to take my car away oh. And put it on a, like, I'm not doing letting you do that. <laughs> so two things on that, right? Because there's a lot of parallels to like what happened in the 911 market and what is happening here to the RS2 market, right? Like where they're just going up and up and up. And at some point they'll level out. They're probably, I would imagine at this point, they've probably started slow. A Carrera 2 um, is, is, you know, unless it's one of the weird, like hyper rare GT cars, like they're starting to level out now. They're still going I'm, I'm going to interject. Yes. A Porsche collector said they are clearing out multiple cars to get into an RS2. So the 964s, they view money where their mouth is. 
right they're, they're getting out now to get into an rs2 carry on well you know interesting the art there may be a parallel then to r8 because one of the reasons r8s have held where 911s have not unless again it's a gt3 rs or something like that but there are a ton of 911s out there in comparison and rs2s there were only ever 2900 and so you know i don't have production numbers on 964s which are probably arguably the rare and the, the final you know, they're low production and final evolution. So there's, they're in a really great space of their own. But I guess where I'm going with that is like one thing that's, you know, that's different here with RS2 that doesn't compare to 911 is Norari is you can buy that 80, like forget the 1.6 liter, you can buy an 80 Quattro chassis for under 5,000 euros. And that's, not even 10% of the value of the RS2. And so if you are looking for a genuine RS2, even more reason to beware because these things were stolen back in the day and swapped and, and or whatever it, back in the day and swapped, right? And nowadays you have them, re, the, you know, all these 964s, all the junky 964s got restored or turned into singers or whatever because now all of a sudden you have these $20,000 cars that are trading at like 60 to 70 and there's the value of the car warrants the full restoration you're going to see like i think that's where you know if the value of of the these cars is eighty thousand dollars then these five thousand eighty quattros could be turning up as rs2s and so that i think it's i i think there's too much of a, a just position between those models i i think a crappy 911 is still cool whereas Every supermarket in Germany has a, a crappy Audi 80 event sitting yeah. there. And we've always tuned them and we love that. We, we, I love S beep boxes, as some people would refer to them, and making them cool. That is what makes me happy. I don't want to own a Ferrari. I want to own a base model Golf with 300 horsepower. Right. That's just what makes me tick. But I think there might be too much of a difference and scarcity I'm, I'm not trying to sell people on 80 quattros what i'm what i'm saying is more be careful of if if the deal is too good to be true on an rs2 just like this van the deal wasn't too good to be true in this case and it's a beautiful car yeah. but if you do your do your due diligence and the easy spot is the van because the wac versus wau is going to differentiate who knew that that was going to be as simple as that that was it right and so yeah it, it, it's wild um we should probably wrap this up. We've gone on. Yeah, yeah. We, you and I can talk forever. People probably can't listen to us forever. Um, I look forward. Oh, we lost to, all the viewers like an hour ago. <laughs> I, I look forward to a time so post COVID when we can do this with more people. And I, I, I really do enjoy the car world because of yeah these little mysteries. Is your your daughter uh, you know sort of tunes in, um, perks up uh, yeah, like yeah. we're uh, on a, on a real podcast. It, it was the mystery. most talkative drive to school I've had with her so far. So just you give her a mystery to solve in the morning. Hey, it, it made done. me exclaim an, an F-bomb. So it was exciting <laughs> enough for that. Yeah. Well, um, it, awesome. Thank you. Um, thanks thank for you, Jamie. Us.